following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. You're listening to a Tip of the Cap podcast brought to you by Stinger Sports. Stinger Sports makes high-quality gear for the player who expects more for their money. Visit them today at www.stingerwoodbats.com and use promo code TIP OF THE CAP, all one word, for 10% off your next order. Stinger Sports. Look great. Feel great. Play great. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Tip of the Cap Podcast. I am Coach Jaws here with you today, and we are talking about a hot-button topic for the uh, time being, thanks to good old Mother Nature herself, and that is uh, the start of the spring sports season here in western New York, as well as the uh, investment into turf fields, turf complexes, the things of the sort. Uh as you guys can see, just looking at your window, it is another dreary, dingy day. Uh, I'm recording this on a Tuesday. It is currently 36 degrees and cloudy out. Uh, I can see a couple residual raindrops on my window as I look out my office here. And I'll tell you what, it is a it is a very, very dingy, cold, and wet spring so far here in western New York. And it is once again brought up the topic of uh, the advantage of teams who have turf at their complex and the ever-popular conversation of starting the spring season either later and going into the summer or moving um, the baseball and softball seasons into the fall. And uh, I will touch on both topics here, my opinions on them and the issues uh, going forward with though that the, the issues that we would have going forward with those first and foremost uh, in here in the western area it is becoming more and more apparent every year uh, the importance of or the advantage I should say of having a turf complex for your baseball and softball teams at least and uh, I firmly and honestly believe any school in this area that decides to turf anything but their f- football or uh, sorry anything but their baseball and softball fields first uh, definitely that that's a tough look. Um, I can tell you being a former football player, I loved playing in the rain. I love playing in the mud. Uh, does it, is it conducive for high scoring and throwing the football all over the place? No, but I'll tell you what, us, us big hog mollies, I always loved it. I always loved getting dirty, getting muddy, uh, and playing in the rain. And even a couple times I got to play in the snow. I loved that too. And, uh, you know, that's, that's when you can really tell who the, uh, you know, the men among the boys on the field, because, you know, when it was cold and that plastic popped a little bit harder and everything was a little bit crisper, uh, you know, you could tell the guys who shied away from contact and the guys who really were there to get after it. So, you know, is it, is it great to have, and I understand the concept, you know, a lot of these schools do, um, you know, and, and not just in Western Europe, but nationwide, they do a multi-sport field and that includes, you know, football, lacrosse, both men's and women's, field hockey, soccer, and it's just easier because you can encompass all different kinds of sports on one field. Uh, but I also know that there are quite a few who do a separate field for, you know, for football and their other sports play on, you know, play on grass still, or they end up doing a separate turfed complex for them. And that, that still may not include baseball and softball. 
Um, for the most part, baseball and softball are the two that absolutely can get rained out. You know, you get you know a week of dry weather in the seventies and everything's dried up, and you get one good you know one good hard. A monsoon day where it's just good, hard, steady rain for an extended period of time. And not only is that day washed where the other sports are playing and practicing, but you know, you're, you're into practicing indoors, which, uh, you know, depending on your, uh, your indoor facilities could limit what you're able to do. But then, I mean, if it rains that hard and, or, you know, how much and how good your drainage and whatnot is on your grass and dirt field and the capabilities of your ground screw, that could cancel you for not only the day it rains, but the day after as well. And, you know, then you extend that into two, three, four days of rain, and that could be two, three, four days of not playing uh, or playing in, let's be honest, unsafe conditions. Uh, In my years and years of coaching baseball here in Western New York, I can count, I wish I could count on just one hand the amount of times that we played on fields, both, um, you know, whatever was considered our home field when I was in travel and or when uh, I was in the high school ranks. You know, the amount of times you played on a field that probably really wasn't safe to play on, um, you know, whether it was just a swampy outfield where, you know, you shouldn't be hearing that that sloshing and kind of like soggy suction cuppy sound as your outfielders are running to track a ball, um, you know, and it just it it risks some serious injury. And, you know, we end up playing in these conditions because we don't have a choice, right? You know, we, we can't just sit there and say, well, we need the field to be perfect. Um, you know, so we, we're only going to play on days where it's, you know, where it's completely dry. You know, we, we can't do that or else we'd, we'd, we would struggle to even get the minimum in, uh, the minimum games in down the road. So, you know, and at that point you're, you know, I mean, it's it's April nineteenth as I'm recording this. It'll be April twenty first by the time it airs. Um, you know, we're we're more than halfway through April. You know, we we are more than halfway through, and it is, it, you know, it's incredible to me that I mean, there's I just saw on Twitter this morning a couple coaches have said they haven't played a single game. Um, you know, because their their fields were not playable, and you know they just didn't have the ability to play a game. And that's tough. You know, you've, they, you've been practicing at this point for over a month and a half and you haven't been able to get on a field and test your metal against anyone or anything. And that, that is tough. Um, you know, and you look at a lot of the, you know, the schools in the area that have turf and then you look at some of the ones that don't and it's confusing. You know, it, it's, you, you look at it and you're like, wow, like how, how does, you know, the, this small school in this small town with, you know, a graduating class of 75 kids have this gorgeous turf field and some of these bigger schools, you know, that are, you know, there's a bunch in A and AA that don't. And it, more and more are, more and more are getting that way. Um, and uh, the, there's a there, there's something to that. You know, there's, there's a competitive advantage to it, you know, where you can have, um, I know my last year or my last couple of years in the high school ranks with, you know, we would schedule games and if our, if our field wasn't playable, we went and played at their place. And that was, that was tough sometimes because there were at least two or three years where we didn't play a, I think we played maybe four home games one year. Um, and that's just not, that's not just league play. That's non-league games and scrimmages as well. We played four games and I'm pretty sure at least two of them were non-leaguers or scrimmages. So, I mean, we, we, we were joking that we were the road warriors. And then in the playoffs, we hosted at least two of the three rounds of the playoffs at our place. Um, you know, so we were on a, we, we had quote unquote home field advantage to a field. We, there was really no advantage to, because we hadn't played on it and, you know, and, and that's tough. Um, 
you know, we also saw an instance once where our game was rained out because our field and the team we were supposed to place field were underwater and muddy and, but it wasn't raining at game time. So the team we were supposed to play was actually able to make up a league game with another team that had turf when they were supposed to play us. And I kind of looked at them like, well, that's not overly fair. You know, I mean, we were supposed to play, we got rained out, so we can't play, they can't play, but they were able to reschedule a different league game, which, you know, then allowed, which really allowed the team with turf to not have to stack games back to back to back later on in the season where we would have to. And, you know, there's definitely a competitive advantage there. Um, You know, we ended up having to play in the past. We've had to play playoff games at a neutral site Um, and we went neutral site, not because, you know, neither team's field was ready, but because we didn't have turf, the team we were supposed to play did. And we said, well, yeah, we'll play on turf, but we're not giving you a home game when we earned it for the playoffs. So we played a neutral site game instead because we had to play the game. Um, there's just such an advantage to a turf complex and, you know, there, there's different ways to go about it. Um, I, I don't think the turf infield grass outfield at this point is worth the money. Uh, I, I am a firm and honest belief. If you're going to do it, do it right and do the whole thing, uh, fully enclose the field to give yourself some, at least one, uh, one mound in a bullpen area on each side. And you, you know, while you're at it, just tack on the, you know, it, it, the money that it, that it costs to put a cage or two near that field or connected to that field is minimal compared to the cost of the entire thing. Uh, so if you're going to do it, do it right. And the competitive advantage to it or the, just the advantage that it gives your team, your school, your program uh, it is incredible. It really is. You know, days that you would never imagine being able to be outside. It might be cold. It might be a little snowy. It might be a little, little, little wet. There might be some drizzle going on, but you're able to be outside and play and field and throw far more than you ever can in a gym. Uh, Cause I do know there there's only a small, very, very small handful of schools locally that have something bigger than a, just your normal size basketball court sized gym uh, to practice in. And when you have that, it's an advantage, but when you can, you know, be outside instead uh, I'm going to use Depew as a perfect example. You know, I know that their, their indoor um, gym areas aren't, aren't, aren't huge. They have just a, your standard gym, uh, stuff like that, but having that turf field, man, there are days that uh, going back and forth with Coach Crowley, who is you know uh, <laughs> a good a good friend and colleague of mine, and we have a good uh, good 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 solid back and forth fairly regularly. Um, you know, there were times when he'd be you know he would send me a text, or uh, his his assistant coach Tony Sekaterski would shoot me a text of a picture of them, you know, on on their turf field when it had rained all day, but it was in the '60s and sunny, you know, as, as the day broke for school. And, you know, like, oh, just enjoying practice out on your, out on turf. How's the gym? And, you know, a, a couple times we were lucky if we could shoot them a picture back of us, you know, taking ground balls and IO on, on the blacktop of a, of a parking lot to be like, well, our turf feels a little bit harder than yours, but it works. Um, you know, but otherwise, you know, the, those guys, they, they take advantage of being outside as every chance they get because, you know, they're, their indoor comp or their indoor athletic facilities just aren't big, you know, and it's, it's tough. If you have a, a, a short batting cage going the, uh, the width of a basketball court, you know, you're not even getting a, you can't even throw live, you know, you can't even do live, uh, live ABs in there unless you have a little bit more room on the outsides outskirts of the gym. And then, you know, 
if you go the long way, I mean, you're you're taking away space from the rest of, you know, what you're able to do. And a lot of, I know a lot of programs that varsity and JV at minimum practice together. So now you have two full rosters in a gym, you know, and that's tough. Uh, I can tell you right now in the, you know, we talking last night at our practice because, you know, we did have an instance where with the rain and the snow uh, and the temperature, we decided in an in indoor practice both yesterday and what will be today or Tuesday, you know, if you look back on this and you're listening on Thursday or later, you know, we're, uh, we decided an indoor practice was the way to go just because of the, you know, the temperature. And at some point, you know, you do run, you do run the, not the risk, but you do run the, uh, I guess we'll say risk of, you know, it being so cold and windy and damp and snowy or whatever it may be that you're not getting anything productive done, right? You're not getting, and you're not accomplishing anything because you're, the guys are so cold or so it's so cold and miserable out that the only thing they're really focused on is how cold and miserable it is. Um, you know, but we were looking, we had, uh, you know, we, we had, I think we were missing two guys at our practice yesterday and we were looking at each other going, we, we won't be able to do this next year. There's just not enough room. Um, you know, with the numbers we look, we appear to be bringing in. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough and it's, you know, is, is turf perfect? Can you get out there every single day? No. Like I said, we just, uh, you know, with my new venture here, we just, uh, you know, the two days early this week, we, you know, going into a double header, we decided that being indoors would be the move. And I think, I believe Tuesday was actually a, a condition of, it was actually too cold on field for us to be out there because there are regulations about such things. Um, however, we are, you know, there are days that other, I know other teams either practice indoors or cancel practice, uh, through high school and stuff. And we were outdoors, you know, we were out on turf and, you know, out in our cages and seeing the ball fly off the bat and, you know, reading fly balls in the wind and everything else. Um, you know, and it's, it, it's just such an advantage. And, you know, personally, I, I'm, I'm of the belief that of a full turf field mound plate areas, whole nine yards should all be turf. Um, because if you're going to do it and if, if you're going to have turf, but you can still get rained out because of the dirt on the mound or on the, on the plate, um, you know, you're, it, it's kind of a waste in my opinion. Um, any turf is better than no turf. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think the turf infield grass outfield, because you can still get rained out the same, like anything that would rain out a game normally would rain that game out as well. Um, so the turf doesn't give you that advantage at that point of being able to play on a day that it rained most of the day. Um, so all turf, if you can, you know, I know some people are, a little bit more traditional, like they like the, the dirt on the mound and they like the dirt at the plate potentially, um, you know, and that you, you can talk about the, the cleanliness factor of the dirt traveling onto the turf and how it doesn't look great all the time. But, um, I understand the feel for it. I also, you know, I know that there's a lot of guys player wise who don't like, you know, going from dirt to turf or, you know, uh, there was a point where one of the local schools, uh, was using a turf mound on a grass, on a grass and dirt field, uh, to help save on field maintenance costs and you know your your pitchers couldn't wear metal on the turf mound but then they had almost no traction coming off the mound onto the grass and it was a nightmare at times and a potentially uh, potentially dangerous injury wise um i don't know if that's still the case there but you know when when you change you know grass to dirt is one thing because you can wear metal cleats on both and you know it shouldn't affect you a ton but when you have you know, turf to or dirt to turf, that can be tough, you know, and you're, you know, some, some schools are, you know, you, you can't wear, can't wear metal on the turf. Well, but there's dirt. So, well, you know, 
the medical leads help you dig into the dirt a little bit. I don't know. I'm, I would personally, I just, I think if you're going to turf it, turf the whole, whole darn thing, uh, and save yourself some time and effort down the road and possibly some headaches even too. you know, you get that one, that, that day that you're like, Oh, you know, we're going to leave the tarps off because you know, it's not supposed to rain. It's supposed to be nice out. And you know, the dirt could use a little bit of that moisture that we get overnight, especially in the spring. And then you get that midsummer 2 a.m. pop-up thunderstorm and all of a sudden you're you know you're struggling because your 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 mound and your plate area are mush and just um, you know just mud pits but um turf is definitely the way to go and i i can't believe the amount of schools in the area that are still not not on board with that um but uh, the other thing is, you know, and every year that we have a, a rough year like this, every year that it's it's cold through most of April or, you know, even even more so when it's cold and rainy or just just rainy as a whole. Uh, I remember probably my first year in the high school ranks, you know, it, this time of year it was in the 60s and 70s, but it poured almost every day. <clears throat> um, you know, I would show up to practice, you know, just head to toe covered in mud and dust and stuff. I'm trying to get fields ready all day. But, uh, you know, it. it Every year, this conversation sparks. It seems whenever there's any type of uh, substantial rainfall during any point of the year, about moving the season to the spring or potentially pushing the spring season back. Like, like this would be, um, you know, th- this would be one of the things where the people would say, like, okay, we should start on March first. So, like, we'd be in our third week of practice right now, probably talking about starting scrimmages and non-league games as opposed to being in our second to third week of actual gameplay. Um, you know, the weather doesn't look great this week. I can tell you, uh, you know, looking through things right now on the, uh, the old weather app here. Um, it's supposed to be 39 and rainy. It's supposed to be 49 and sunny. Uh, we're going to get up to 55 on Thursday, but it's supposed to rain all day. Friday, it's supposed to be sunny and 60, but then, you know, 60 and rain on Saturday, 77 and sunny on Sunday, 75 and rain on Monday, 57 and cloudy on Tuesday. And then we finally get a little bit of a break with two days of sun, uh, sun and clouds, but it's only going to be, it's going to, going to fight to, to, to hit 50, you know, every year when this happens, we end up having this conversation about moving the, the start date back or moving the, um, you know, moving it to fall and moving the start date back may not be a terrible idea. Um, but the thing is, if you're going to do, if, if, if that's going to happen, it's got to be a statewide thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of people tagging and or mentioning Section 6. And uh, the New York State playoffs happen at the same, you know, the, the state sets those dates. So there's a drop dead time for sectional finals into regionals into the, the actual state finals, uh, the state semis and finals. So anything that it would happen from that would have to be statewide. And we all know that the, the you know, the state as a whole doesn't have the same weather patterns. Uh, there's parts of the state that have probably not had much of an issue getting games in. Um, and they would look at, look at changing the, uh, the start date and being like, why, you know, we, we don't have trouble getting games in. It's, you know, it's a little bit drier out this way or whatever it, whatever it may be, or maybe, you know, there may even be an area of the state that has more turf than not. Uh, you know, and, and West New York is starting to get there. They're starting to get that way, but you know, th- until everyone does, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. And I don't know if we're ever going to get a point where everyone has one, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that you look at it and you say, you know, okay, what, what are the implications here? What are the implications of moving the start date back? Well, we're condensing the season because unless the state as a whole says, okay, you know, we're going to move state playoffs back. You still got to get the same you know, same number of league games and playoffs in before state playoff, before the, you know, before the regional playoffs. 
So that would be tough. Um, you know, and I'm sure any move like that would have to come from the state for, for those reasons exactly. But uh, the other side of the, you know, and, and that could probably be something that would be explored. I'm sure, you know, the travel guys wouldn't love that too much if all of a sudden the state, uh, the high school, high school season went into June and the, uh, say the state playoffs were possibly pushing to the end of June. There'd be a lot of, uh, a lot of travel guys that wouldn't like that because that chunks into their, their program as a whole, uh, and their travel season more than it does currently. And, uh, you know, we all know that there's, there's some good money in travel baseball in the area, but, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, you look at that and you say, okay, uh, you know, so, okay. So those guys then are looking at, you know, potentially mid to the end of June of a, as a start time for their seasons and their travel. And they're usually done, especially the older ages by, you know, by the middle of August because football starting and they start losing guys to that. So, you know, that would be, that would be something that would probably get pretty, there'd probably be a, a decent amount of contention on that. Um, you know, just to, just from the standpoint of, you know, limiting that season to maybe six weeks total, uh, there'd probably be a lot of pushback on that one. The other one would be switching it to a fall sport. And really, really the big one there would be moving football to the spring and baseball to the fall. And, you know, you, so if you look at when football starts, uh, usually starts, let me see, let me pull up, uh, the old calendar here to kind of get an idea of what I'd be looking at. Um, so let, let's just say this year, uh, August 15th is a Monday. Let's say that would be your first, the first day that you could get together as a team. So there's your tryouts, right? So the 15th to the 19th is kind of your, your tryout week, 15th to the 20th, whatever it would be. Then, you know, the 22nd to the 27th is your second week. And you'd probably be starting uh, normal play the 29th into the third uh, before Labor Day. And then you know, Labor Day would be the fifth. So you'd probably start league play the sixth. And so you'd go, let's see. So this would be April, you go September and through October for league play. And then the end of October, you'd be talking about sectional finals. And my, you know, the issue there is, uh, and, and this is my, this has always been my contention about moving it to fall is one is football going to be okay with becoming a spring sport. No, no, they're not. Uh, the spring sports season, in my opinion, is probably the shortest season, um, at least on paper. It, it, it always feels that way, at least. But, um, you know, so here, you know, so now you'd be ending your sectional finals around Halloween, the 27th, 28th, when high school football is usually in homecoming week for a lot of teams that last week of regular season play. So now you're talking about sectional or the regionals being the first or second, you know, the first maybe actually the sectional finals would probably be the first week of November and then the regionals the second week and the state finals would be the you know 17th 18th 19th around that weekend that third weekend of November and the interesting part to that is you know as much as the start of the season around here sucks and as much as the start of the season around here is tough with the weather and everything the most important games of the season are played in the best weather you know it's played in the warmest the warmest days of our of, of the year for the for, for school sports and usually it's a little bit drier by then. And, you know, when we start talking November, you know, you're talking the stuff that we're dealing with now. You're talking potential cold, rain, snow. Uh, and now you're sitting there saying, okay, so your most important games. And again, so after the sectional sectional playoffs, you know, the teams start to dwindle, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, you have one AA representative, one A, B, C, and D representative. So there's what? That'd be five schools moving to the regional. Um 
and then you know anyone who wins there like there could be nobody moving on to the to the following weekend uh there could be up to five moving on to the next weekend but you know so at that point like do you, do you want to be playing a sectional final in a potential like early November, like, like the type of weather we're seeing right now and have to worry about moving and, you know, shucking around playoff games and stuff for snow, uh, losing home playoff games for, for that, like the stuff that we're dealing with right now. I mean, and, and yes, I, I did say at the beginning, you know, during the start of the episode, my little diatribe about it, like, yeah, we, we've had to do it in the past where we've had to, you know, go to a neutral site, but you know, I, I feel like the odds are, are heavier in November to have to move playoff games to neutral sites and turf fields instead of, you know, being able to play at your home field and, you know, that whole thing. But, uh, you know, I, I personally, as much as the start of the season is tough and it can be rough, I personally believe the, uh, you know, I want my, I want my most important games, the games that matter the most, the ones at the end of the year to be played in the best weather. Um, you know, and with, with football, you know, there's there's a reason that they go that they move indoors for the state semis and the state finals, uh, or at least for the state finals. You know, they go to uh, the Syracuse football field, and you know, which is an, an indoor dome. Um, there's a reason for that. You know, they don't want a team to win because win or lose because the weather was a factor. You know, they want two football teams to play straight up. Um, you know, prior to that, yes, you do play outdoors, you do play in the elements, but. You know, they, they don't want the, you know, it's a, it's a big event. It's something they want, you know, people at, they want people, they want, they want a crowd. They want, you know, that whole thing. And I think you would, would you get that? Sure. But not necessarily, you know, maybe not necessarily to the extent because, you know, just because of the nature of the weather, but who knows? And, and yet again, yes, you, you can get those, those nice 60, 70, sunny degree day, you know, 60, 70 degree sunny days in November, but, um, my my personal opinion was always that you know I I want to know that the weather is getting better as the games are getting more important, not the other way around. And um, I I think we just need to come to the realization that there are there are schools on out here out you know out there that need to that need to wrap their head around the fact that you know a, a you know turfing your baseball and softball fields and there's way to do ways to do it where you can do you know a baseball field and a softball field to make sure that you know that you're each team has a shot to play every day and you know then you can you know you don't you can maintain a grass field uh i know there's a lot of places that have done that you know uh williamsville north they you know they they put a baseball field in with a a a removable mound on their turf complex and but they kept and maintained they keep and maintain their hardball diamond uh, a hardball diamond as well so you know um you know grass and dirt hardball diamond i should say you know and there's a lot of schools that have done that um, you know, but there, there's also a way to do it where you're not, you know, patching, you know, putting turf down on just your baseball field and closing it, fencing it in, and then another one for softball. And, you know, there's ways to do this and, you know, um, does it make, does it make things interesting? Sure. But I mean, I mean, if you look at the, uh, some of the complexes out there that do these things, it can be a really fun, cool experience too. Uh, it can be a lot of fun when you've got a baseball and a softball field going on and they're, you know, kind of hitting into each other with a 10 to 15 foot gap between the, the center field fences. And, uh, it can be a lot of fun. And then, you know, when you build it that, build it out that way, you can use it for other things, uh, throughout the year, you can use it for, you know, field hockey and whatnot going kind of, you know, east to west across the outfields. But, um, that's neither here nor there, you know, 
the the idea of having turf and turfing your baseball and softball fields uh, is just at this point, you know, with with moving. I mean, imagine the busing costs, which we all know that there's you know there there's busing issues. There's you know driver shortages all over the place, and now you're putting more strain and stress on you know on on all an, an already taxed system by saying, oh, we were supposed to play, you know, I don't know, eight home games for league play. And we only played two because our field wasn't playable. So now we added four extra bus trips, you know, and now, and, and, you know, it, some schools are lucky enough to say like, okay, you're playing uh, just off the top of my head because I know it the best, you know, um, Clarence, Lancaster, Seneca West. Um, I mean, Orchard Park Frontier, you know, they're all fairly close. And then the long trip in in that division is Jamestown. So imagine, you know, Jamestown already has a long haul, right? They, they're driving an hour and 40 minutes to almost every game they play for league play. And, you know, each team has to do it once to come to them. Now, all of a sudden, your field's not playable and you're traveling more. That's tough. You know, and their field out there is gorgeous. They have their, their their complex is just is gorgeous. They also had one of the first turf football fields in Western New York, the old school the old school AstroTurf, um, which was not fun to tackle people on. But uh, you know, they have they have dirt, you know, grass and dirt baseball diamonds, and they can get rained out, or they can say, well, we were supposed to come. They, you know, you guys were supposed to come to us, but I I guess we'll try to come to you, um, and then that just puts more issues on on busing and whatnot or imagine like hey we're supposed to play we have to get this in uh now we have to go to jamestown you know i know that there's other schools that you know you're playing all over western new york because you know uh, i know class a and class b do that from time to time where you know they're traveling 40 50 minutes to an hour sometimes if not longer just to get to some of the more outskirts uh just to get to the the, the schools that are a little bit further away but you know we're you have turf, maybe maybe those bus trips are are more even. You know, it, it's really nice for the teams that have turf that can just sit back and say, "Yeah, come to us." You know, and probably save a lot of money on busing that way. But I mean, it, it just to me, it's an investment that just makes sense. But uh, with that being said, guys, I'm going to wrap up there. Uh, you know, hopefully the weather breaks soon, and uh, you know, I've been posting the day to day scoreboard on Twitter. Uh, as reported by uh, two max preps and you know, just so anybody and everybody is aware um, you know I am reporting the scores as they get put onto max prep so uh, if they if, if your team played or your son's team your grandson's team your nephew's team whoever it may be if they played um, and it's not and it's not part of the the graphics that I post it's because it wasn't reported in max preps when I when I did it and uh, I do the scores as they're reported all right, so I, I can't say I'm reporting, you know, per max preps and then change a the score. And, you know, they're like, <clears throat> somebody at one point did ask, you know, why would somebody report? Like, I think it was like a 30 to 2 score or something like that. And, you know, and I, I don't know, but that's what was reported. So that's what, you know, that's what gets posted. And uh, I can tell you, I'm sure that that wasn't done out of, you know, malice or whatnot. I do know that, you know, in the past on on, on games that have been, a little bit more out of hand um, in the past, like, you know, reporting the paper might keep the, you know, you, it was kind of an unwritten rule to keep the score within 10 runs. Um, you know, so if you beat somebody 18 to four, the score went in at 14 to four or even 12 to four, potentially. 
because um, it, it gets the point across of, the, of how the game was. Um, you know, but it was always dicey when you had a, a game that was like, oh, um, you know, we won, we, we, we won eight, nothing. Uh, this kid had, this kid was four for five with five RBIs. This kid was, you know, four for four with, a, you know, with a two run home run and, four, and and three RBIs. And you're like, wait a minute, you're already at eight runs. Nobody else contributed to your offense today. But, uh, you know, I don't know how many people looked that close. But, you know, max preps, especially if you use Game Changer, you can link Game Changer to max preps, which means whatever you hit final score on Game Changer is what goes to max preps. Uh, so that would probably be, in my opinion, that's probably what happens when you see scores like that reported. And I'll continue to do things like that uh, throughout the year. Um, I'll do my best to do day-to-day scoreboards. And then at, on the weekend, I'll do uh, standings throughout the leagues and go from there. Uh, last but not least, um, I'm probably starting next week. I'll be looking to do like a West New York player of uh, player of the week. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll do it for um, <clears throat> each division might be tough. There's a lot of divisions of baseball in Western New York. Uh, I don't know if I would even do it for like class A, B, C, and D, but uh, just the, that is something I would need you guys help with. You know, that would be something I would need you guys to, uh, to send me information on a kid, you know, the, the, this guy was 12 for 14 for whatever, whatever, and whatever, uh, this guy pitched, you know, nine innings this week, let up two hits, one run, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I would need your help to, to get that. Cause I don't see everything obviously. Uh, but it would definitely be something I would like to do if possible. So, um, you know, send me any, anybody that you would like nominated starting, you know, starting next week, uh, with the weather this week, it's probably going to be tough to do one. Actually, we can probably try to do a test run on this one. So, uh, if you, if you've got a guy on your team, your son's team, if it's, I don't care if it's your son, um, you know, just send me, send me info. This kid went this for this, for this, or, you know, through this many innings for whatever you send it my way. And, uh, I will sort through them all and kind of post a, uh, tip of the cap player of the week, if you will, for Western New York baseball. And, uh, we'll go from there. Uh, I would appreciate the help on that guys. You know, I really do. I love, uh, anything I can do to get more, more and more recognition for players of Western New York. Um, you know, guys that have good weeks that may, may be missed along the way. If I can use my reach and my, uh, you know, my reach and my share ability to, to help promote guys in this area, I absolutely plan to do that. So, uh, you can reach me on the tip of the cap Twitter or on Facebook, uh, just type in tip of the cap podcast. We will show up. Uh, tip of the cap also now has an Instagram that I'm doing something a little bit different with, but uh, I'll probably end up posting the players of the player of the week on there as well. Uh, that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in. Tip of the cap is part of the BICBP radio network, www.bicbp-radio.com. You can go there, check out this podcast, as well as all the other podcasts and shows on the network, uh, including my other three shows, Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast, a championship caliber pro sports podcast based in Buffalo, New York, The Producers, which is a movie podcast about a couple of guys that just like talking about movies and TV, and Common Debauchery, the show about well, pretty much nothing. So uh, like, follow, share, subscribe, find me on social media, Tip of the Cap Podcast on Facebook and um, Facebook and Twitter would be the one I'm looking for. And uh, with that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. In a post-apocalyptic world decimated by a global pandemic, two men will arise to talk about movies featuring the quote king austin kelm 
the wizard of Jaws, Derek Jaws. They are the Podducers. <laughs> <laughs>